Welcome to the Navigation Church Podcast, featuring practical and encouraging weekly messages from one of our pastors or featured guests. Make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. Every message is committed to helping you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here's today's message with Pastor David Amston. Seven kids giving their heart to Jesus. How awesome is that? A little bit more of that story I want to share with you in a second. But first, what's up, Nav family? Who's ready for week number two of Wayside? So if you are a guest here with us, we are so happy. Um, I'm going to just tell you, even if you weren't a part of last week's conversation, you didn't miss a thing. Not because the sermon was bad, although I don't know. But like it, the reason I say that is we're going to make sure to cover what it is we talked about last week. And here's what we're going to first do. We're going to open up to Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And I just want to read to you the one passage that we're going to take a month to talk about. And we're slowly processing through and unpacking what this says. It's in Mark 10, verse 46 through 52. And they came to Jericho, they being Jesus and his disciples. They came to Jericho and Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, uh, were leaving the city. And a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And we heard, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, calling him, or call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up. <laughs> on your feet, he's calling you. And I wonder if it's the same group of people that just were telling him to quiet down. Like, no, be quiet, no, be quiet. Good news. <laughs> Surprise, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, which by the way, three weeks from now, we're gonna talk about that and I cannot wait to get into that. He jumped to his feet, he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus said, and this will be so interesting, I had someone ask me the question, do you think Jesus was facing him? Do you think Jesus was touching him? For a, a, a couple weeks from now, I don't know how many, the, the last conversation we're going to have, when Jesus actually healed, he said, go, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed, along, uh, followed Jesus along the road. So here, here's what I'd like to do. If you weren't a part of our conversation last week, it's no big deal. Because imagine this. Imagine you grew up in a small little town, an itty-bitty village that maybe had, uh, maybe had a well outside that you could go and get water. But every time you did personal business, um, you had to take that outside of the city. And every time that there was work to do, every single morning, it wasn't a day off. Every single morning, it was get up and tend to the sheep, tend to the animals, tend to the crops, tend to your house. There wasn't TV, Netflix, or anything like this. The only thing you had was your little world, and you hoped that you had at least one entertaining person in your village, because when night came, there was nothing to do except sit around the fires. But once a year, you would travel to this place called New York City. Thank you for that. 
That's where they make salsa, apparently. But like, so imagine you grew up in this little bitty town, no internet, no TV, no nothing. But once a year, you got to travel to New York City. How much would that blow your mind when you would walk into this major metropolitan? And in this major metropolitan, you had, you had manufacturing that happened. You would have commerce happening up and down the streets. You would, have, you would have some of the most influential. Oh, my gosh, look who it is. I'm about to date myself. It's Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Like, Sorry, I dated myself. I don't know who's dating nowadays. So like, like you would see these Hollywood stars. You would see these biggest people. This is what it would have been like to come to Jericho at this time. Jericho was such a major me- metropolitan, they actually had, ready for this, running water. Now, not running water like you're thinking of, where there's a faucet inside, but they actually set it up to where the water could run into the city through one, t- one side and it could flow into houses and people could get fresh water in their own house. But then on the other side, or what we would call on the wayside, another way to say it is the waste side. On the other side is where all of that flowed out of the city. And on the side with all the healthy water, that's, when you, that's where you saw your vendors, right? People selling clothes. There was an Anderson window, window salesman there still. Like, it's amazing. They've been around forever still hawking that stuff. Like, there was all this major stuff. If anyone's ever been to a home show, you appreciate that joke. But for those who haven't, that was for me. So, like, you, on the beautiful side where the water was, where, where healthy people were, but on the waste side, the wayside, was where we find this guy named Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus, if you were part of last week's conversation, you're going to get this more in depth, but if you hear what I say and you need to hear more about it, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to last week. Bartimaeus, they always call him blind Bartimaeus. We do a great job as Christians. We label things. How many have ever heard of doubting Thomas before? Right? I hate that name. He didn't doubt. He had a question, right? Barnabas, he might have been blind, but that wasn't the label that he should have had. And so we so often live our lives by the labels that were given us. And if you have problems with the wrong self-image, I want to encourage you to go listen to last week. But here's something very interesting. Not only do we have labels that we give ourselves, we actually have labels we give other people. Right? So here's the big question that I'm going to ask for right now for us just to unpack for a couple minutes. When you talk about God... What is the label you put on him? And I know you're going to say, well, he's God. Okay, if you really did view him as big God, then you should never have any small problems. But if you ever had a big problem in your life, the problem is you've labeled your God too small. So instead of us being religious today and acting like we have our good Christian face on, can we just all be honest? Not all of us have a proper label of who God is all the time. Can I please get an amen? So the pastor isn't the only one saying that, right? But let's be honest. There are times where you're stressing out and God is a provider, but you don't ever talk to a provider. Okay, let's just, let's be real. A lot of us don't even really view him as God. We view him as our get out of, get out of jail free card. And here's how I can prove it. If I don't, please, on, online, you can do it if you're home by yourself. But If I were to ask an honest question of how many pray all the time, how many can raise their hand and say every single day, a couple times a day, I'm busy praying. No hands. Keep them right here. Okay. So my guess is a few hands go up. But if I were to say how many passionately pray when you're in trouble, thank you for your honesty. I appreciate it. 
We pray more when we're in trouble. We pray more when we want something. We pray more when we have a need. We push into God. So let me ask you this. What label do you have as, for your God? Because some of us, I think, view God as a really good teacher. Like you like hearing what the Bible has to say, but the fact is we don't actually apply it. Like we get turned on by what we hear Jesus has said, but we view him as a teacher more than our instructor. Right? When we view God, let me ask you this. How many of us really view God, if, if we were going to do an honest salvation call, here's what it sounds like. There is one throne in your life. You either get a, to sit on it or Jesus gets to sit on it. The salvation call isn't going to be about, hey, say yes to Jesus so you go to heaven one day. The fact is salvation is for here and for now. And so do you label God as the, the king who sits on the throne of your life? I, I, you know, I actually wrote in my notes, don't expect a lot of amens at the beginning, because I get it. I get it, because if we really took an evaluation, here's, here, here's one for you. How many of you are full-time pastors, and you run the risk that God is your job? No one else wants to raise their hand with me on that one? Oh, wait. No, that's the label I have to fight with. Because if I'm a good enough salesman, I could sell a heck of a product called Jesus, the feel-good God. Right? We all have to, we have to be careful of what these labels are. Because when it comes to Jesus, Bartimaeus didn't yell out, Jesus, son of Joseph. Because that could have been a label that he put on him. Why? Because his earthly father, or if we could maybe say this, his stepfather here on earth was a guy named Joseph. And a lot of times you would be known as the son of. So Bartimaeus could have been sitting there going, Jesus, son of Joseph, so that no one was confused. Or Jesus, son of, Na or, uh, son of Nazareth. Or Jesus, the carpenter. He could have put so many labels on him because we know this, there were a lot of labels being put on Jesus at this time, especially by the religious sect in this. They were calling him a heretic. They were saying what, you are, what you're speaking isn't even truth, while others are saying, who do you say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist, you're just a prophet. And Jesus is going, no, what label are you putting on me? And Bartimaeus is sitting there, can't see a thing, and here's the label that he put, Jesus, son of God. Or, let me rewrite that scripture, okay? By the way, this is not canon. If you're a guest here, we don't make up the scripture. I am going to reword it just a little bit. Another way to say it is, Bartimaeus said, Jesus, I believe you aren't just another man, but rather the Son of God. You're the Savior who came to change everything for us. You're not just a teacher or a miracle worker. You are king. You are God. That's the label that Bartimaeus put on him. And here's why it's important. Our expectation of who God is helps set our expectation of who God is. I'm going to say that again because it was really confusing. I get it. The expectation that we have of who God is helps set our expectation of who God is. So let me ask you this. Who is God in your life? 
And if you need help building your own faith, let me help you with that today. Because I think God is a miracle worker. I think God is salvation. I think God is a provider. I think God is a deliverer. And you go, well, those are all really good things that you read out of your Bible. No, no, no. I'm saying that because for some reason this week, by the way, if you ever talk to your pastor, just know any and everything you say can and will be used in a sermon. I need to tell you that now. Yeah, and that's legal. That's in the Bible. <laughs> it's not. And so uh, uh, right before we started the sermon, the NAV Kids director, uh, Meg, got to share a testimony with you. Here's part. Of, I just want to unpack it for a second. Last week, we took time to pray for every single chair, every single table, every single. We didn't go through like each coffee cup, like bless the lips, bless the lips, bless the lips. That's unsanitary. You shouldn't do that, right? It was just, it was more of a general like bless it. Like we, we just went through the building praying for people. We had a l- young lady who was a first time guest in our NAV kids after the very first worship song, never been to church before. After the very first wor- worship song, she couldn't help but blurt out, this is awesome. That, that was incredible. That's what she blurted out because of worship. And so somewhere along the line, they started a conga line, which I know you already know what that is. And if you don't know what it is, Google it. I'm not showing you. And so all of a sudden, we have these kids. They are naturally expressing with their body what worship does to us. But the problem is they don't have the labels of years on them saying that's not how you're supposed to worship. So they're dancing, they're singing, they're celebrating. Cammie, at the end of worship, or at the end of the sermon, ask all the kids to close their eyes. Seven kids gave their heart to Jesus, not knowing other people were raising their hand. Then later that night in our youth group, we had the most youth that we've ever had on a Sunday night. Nearly 50 kids were here. And here's what the most beautiful thing, man, I'm gonna pause every time you feel like laughing. Here's the great thing about that. Multiple churches send young people our way because their church can't have a youth group because of their size. And you know what? We don't want them. Our job isn't to collect other Christians from other churches. Our job is to help people take their next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that means you call me your pastor or someone else your pastor, we don't care. And we already have more students signed up for next year's uh, uh, retreat. They're, they're big stuff. We have more kids signed up for next year than we even had this year. And so, guys, there's something happening in the young people. Last week we did, and by the way, in case you're wondering why I'm telling you all these stories, I'm just helping you label your God correctly. Okay, because last week we did something called the Fall Festival where we went downtown Collinsville. Many of you were part of that. And the reason I know many of you were part of that, wow, was I talking fastest then, is because we had over a hundred, it was nearly 130 spaces that we need to fill with volunteers. Nearly 70 people volunteered last week in order for us, ready for this, not to have a booth, not to promote Navigation Church, although we did. Right? It was to provide opportunity for other churches and ministry to be in front of the community. And here's one of the coolest things. One of the churches said to us, said to me, said, I can't believe you're able to pull this off. We weren't able to get enough volunteers to man our booth, let alone man the fest. 
Another church came up here. Just pause. I'm building up to this clap. Are you ready for this one? Another church came up because we just have way too much junk back there. And they came up and they needed tents. So we were giving them a tent. We were helping load up a tent and, and obnoxiously heavy concrete things. Like, and we were loading it up and a lady pulled up and said, hey, trying to get a hold of you, I'd like to have a booth at your event tomorrow. And I said, okay, so are you a church? Are you a non-for-profit? She goes, no. I just love that you guys are doing this for the community and I want to be a part. The pastor that was standing there said, well, why do you need a booth? Be a part of our booth. Just come serve with us. And so this lady who was a drive-by, sounds bad, wasn't, joins up with their church that night, came to their church and got connected. And it's because, and while we were there, someone who doesn't even go to our church, doesn't, isn't part of Nav Church, here's what they said. No one in the city has a heartbeat for this community like you guys do. That's a God thing. That's a Jesus thing. Let's see what other notes I have down here. 46, blah, blah, blah. Here's, here's a couple just rattle off for you. And this is the power of community, a value that we have here. Someone came in today, and by the way, I already warned you, if you say anything to me, it can and will be used, so here it is. One, one individual partner here, they admitted that all week long they were suffering with depression. And now, no judgment, but this is just facts. They didn't go to pills, they didn't go to psychologists, they didn't go to medication. Here's what they went to, they went to Jesus, and Jesus called them by name and ministered to them this week. We have someone else here today celebrating five years sober today. <laughs> Lives are being touched all the time. One lady came in to their small group, and she had received news that the same disease that her mom died of, she may have, she goes, I came into where God was in my community, and I have peace. I don't know what you label your God as, but I label mine really, really big. I label mine a deliverer. I label mine freedom. I label mine salvation. I label mine provider. I label mine as the king of kings and the Lord of lords in whom I live and move and have my being. I label mine as his train fills the temple. That's who my God is today. Who do you label your God as? Because the label you give him, or let me say it this way, the expectation that you have of who he is will set your expectation of who he is. So what label do you give your God? Because for Bartimaeus right here, you know what he called him? He called him son of God. And here's the crazy thing. Bartimaeus, no pun intended, had never seen him before. I guess it was a little pun intended. I did. I did. I'm not going to lie. Like when I heard it, I thought it. And then I said, I'm going to say it. But we know this. He never followed him. Yeah. He didn't go see him on the hillside. Could you imagine being a blind man? sitting next to the waste of life and all of a sudden someone comes by and you go, hang on. I don't know why I closed my eyes. I, I went into character. I apologize. But hey, let's go with it. You're like, hang on, hang on. Wait, what'd you say? He fed how many people? That can't be right. Wait, you were there too? The fish and loaves? 
Now, Lazarus is a pretty big deal. We've heard of his name. Wait, he's dead? No, he was dead? Like the only thing you ever get is secondhand information. But somehow his faith was so built that the only hope that he could possibly have, the life that he's craved for, it's this internal, eternal craving that all of us have for the life that we were built for. And when that opportunity passed him by, he refused to allow other people who had been labeling him to stop him from pushing into the label that he wanted to give the carpenter, the son of Joseph, the son of Mary. No, 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 to the son of God. I believe that you can sit in a place that no one else can. I believe that you have authority no one else can. I believe that you have power that no one else has shown before. Son of God, have mercy on me. Shh, shh. It says it right there. Many rebuked him, verse 48, and told him to be quiet. How many years of his life did he succumb to the words of other people because of shame, guilt, and his brokenness? But on this day, you have to have a moment in your life where this day you refuse to allow what others are saying to hold back what your internal spiritual cravings are. And at some point, you have to get to this place as a follower where you go, son of God, I need you to stop and talk to me. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why I feel this way. I don't know why I'm depressed. I don't know why I can't sleep at night. I don't know why I keep going back to this porn and this addiction and this drinking and this cutting. I don't know why, but son of God, stop walking and start talking to me. There has to be this moment in our life because the one thing I can tell you, he's going to stop. But we have to be, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. So I would like to explain to you what that means. And while I do that, someone is going to bring me a Kleenex. Thank you. No, I need everyone to say amen for one second. Yeah. This was, I actually thought this would be like a funny sermon today. Oh, you think it's funny. Thank you. I appreciate that. Say a sermon's bad without saying a sermon's bad, right? Like, <laughs> so all of a sudden, everyone's trying to tell him to be quiet. But oddly enough, everybody who was trying to tell him what to do had something that he didn't want. Why is it that we listen to people that aren't like what we want to be, that don't have what we desire, that they're not living the life that we crave for, why is it that we care what they even say? But the crazy thing is, and and I know I'm going to just steal this from Dave Ramsey, we buy a car that we can't afford to look good at a stoplight next to a guy that will never meet us, next to a lady that will never see us again, right? Because there's something inside of us that we care what other people have to say, but the fact is we should only care about the people we want to become more like. And you have to be able to find those people. You have to find that individual that what they say to you has value. Think of words like currency. And if you don't know anybody, how much currency do they have for your life? 
Because how many people also might have been shouting for Jesus? See, in my head, I always just kind of pick, try to picture what's happening here. And Bartimaeus couldn't have been the only blind person, any only lame person, only deaf person, bad example, that has heard of Jesus before, right? I said a deaf person hearing of Jesus. That's why I realized it was a bad example. But how many other people on that very same day was shouting for Jesus to stop? And how many of them stopped shouting when everybody else told them to be quiet? Because somehow we care what other people are thinking about us or saying about us, but the fact is the only thing that we need to have is our reputation of who God is saying to us. You know, have you ever heard you only get one reputation and you need to protect it? Right? The fact is, in today's society, you can't protect your reputation. Right? Because there's a lot of keyboard thumb warriors out there that will label and do anything that they have no repercussions. The only thing you can actually protect is your integrity. And your integrity, integrity of who you are, what you believe, and that is going to be how you end up acting, how you end up living, how you end up portraying yourself. And so if you live your life always worried what everybody else has to say, you'll never try, you'll never actually find your true identity. Or you find the person you want to be like, you find that person you've been called to, and you start looking at them and say, that's the person I'm going to follow. And for Bartimaeus at this time, this is when he decided, I don't care what other people are saying about me. I don't care what my reputation might look like. My freedom is walking by me. And so the craving that he had to cry out and say that. And here's the thing about Jesus at this time. God allows in his wisdom what he easily could have prevented in his power. His power at any time could have healed Bartimaeus. But in his providential love, he waited for the moment where his eyes can be opened in such a powerful way. So why hasn't God moved in your life yet? I don't know. I don't know. But I can tell you, your spiritual life will only grow to what your natural man will allow it to endure. If stress gets too much, and we think, man, this faith thing isn't working, and we bail on it. Do you know when it gets darkest? That when it gets coldest? Right before daybreak. And if your life, it's never been this cold, it's never been this dark, I'm just going to tell you now, it could be the moment of breakthrough for you. Don't abandon it because other people, here's what we do. We run to people and we ask them for their advice and going to them for their advice, here's what we say, hey, can I get your opinion on it? Most of the time we don't want their opinion on it. What we want is them to validate a wrong belief system in us. And so, by the way, if you ever come to me as a pastor and you say, pastor, can I get your advice on something? I'm just going to ask you this. What is it you want to hear? Because I'm going to save you two or three phone calls. I'll just tell you what you want to hear so that you can stop asking other people. Because, Or what we can do is we can stop long enough because in all the noise of life, we fill our ears with everybody else's good advice and usually it drowns out the voice of the Holy Spirit trying to whisper something to us. And so if we could sit long enough and we just say, God, I don't know why I'm going through this and I'm not going to run around seeking other people's advice and good opinions, but I'm going to sit here. In my junk, 
in my waist, in my dung. I'm going to sit here till you pass by. And when you pass by, what I'm not going to say is, Jesus, the abandoner. Jesus, the unfaithful. Come on now, is there anybody in here? That's how you fell for the. Here's, here's one. Hey, Jesus, the mute. I, I swear God only has so many words he's allowed to say per day. And he saves them for a really, really long time to talk to me. Because I have questions all the time. And I want answers all the time. But if I always get everything that I want, then who's actually God? Me or the one that I'm giving the proper label to. Actually, the brother of Jesus took it this far. In James 1, 2 through 4, the, the, or let me say this, the half-brother of Jesus said it this, Consider a pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of everything, he says, of many kinds, all the time, any of them, when they come your way, because you know that the testing of your faith produces a perseverance. Stop, stop calling on his name. Stop saying that. Jesus, son of God, Jesus, son of God. There had to be such a desire to push through. And he didn't know if he was in eyesight of Jesus. He didn't know if he was 10 people deep of Jesus. All he knew is he needed to yell loud enough where this guy, he had to persevere through the noise. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may, be, you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. This is the half-brother of Jesus letting us know stuff is coming your way. Dung is coming your way. The waste side of life is coming your way. And rather than turning on God, turn to God. And let it do its perfect work inside of you because when it does its perfect work inside of you, you become more mature and your faith builds. What do I mean by your faith builds? I had the faith to believe that Jesus would save me and I stepped into that salvation. But you know what? I now, because of the testimonies that I've heard and the testimonies that I've lived, I have the faith that Jesus can save generations to come. Seven of them last week. I have the faith to believe that when depression tries to show up, God can be prevalent. I have the belief that when I have a suffer from alcoholism, I can be five years sober. I have the belief that when there's a city saying that the world is going to hell in handbasket, there is a church going, nope, we're showing up as the light on the top or the light on top of a hill, letting people know that Jesus Christ still reigns. I have the faith. I have the, my faith builds when I persevere through those things. And then my label changes. Which label? My, my, my labels, they change. You know, because I grew up in a family that we didn't like the next door neighbors. We hated the people on that side of the track. No, the more I loved Jesus, I realized I forfeited the right to hate anyone. I changed the labels. Well, yeah, but you know what uh, political party they were part of? Still working on that one. But I know that I got... Right? I mean, all of a sudden, we try to come up with excuses of why we're allowed to, but I have to come to the fact that no, no, no. I forfeit my right to hate. Right? All of a sudden, 
a couple weeks ago, my foot was just hurting, and I had to get on a plane, and I didn't know if I should travel. And my wife actually said that the next morning she was going to make the decision if I was traveling or not. Like kind of that's the blunt, honest conversation we were having. And I went, God, I know this is a trip that I'm supposed to do. I need healing. And man, halfway through that trip, my foot was 95% better. It was a miracle, right? And so God, rather than just running to the doctor, I'm just going to push in for miracles because at some point, miracle working powers of Jesus Christ should be common among believers. And it's not because we're not pushing. We're not seeking. We've given greater label power to aspirin than we have our God. It changes our labels when we sit here and persevere and let it have its complete work in us. And at some point, the complete work is, I'm done sitting here by this waste, and I don't care what people are going to label me or what I'm labeling other people. It's time for me to shout out, Jesus! (laughs) I've got to talk to you. I know you're busy, and I know you're walking, but I'm blind to who you are. God, help us today. For those of us who are blind to who you are, help us today. For those who, God, we come here on a Sunday morning, we attend online on a Sunday morning, and it's the good Christian cloak that we should be wearing. But God, there's got to be people in this building that are watching us online today. God, I know for a fact that they just want to yell out to you and say, I got to talk. And today, God, I don't, call, I don't say, hey, big guy, I don't refer to you as the man upstairs. I call you Jesus, Son of God. Because that is the perspective that I want and I need and I have of you. And you're going to help me throw off the labels that I've been wearing like a cloak around my shoulders. But on this day, if you're here right now, on this day, the one thing you may just need is to hear God say, come. Come. If you have your eyes closed, I just want to, let's let God do some ministry right now. If you're sitting here, if you need to cry out, cry out. If you need to say, God, we got to talk, just you got to tell him. Don't let my prayers be your intercession. But I believe God's going to stop and have some heart-to-hearts with us today. Also, if you're here today and you don't know this Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior, Listen, there's not a contract to sign. There's not hoops to jump through. Like Barnabas, you just need to stand up and start following. If you want to say a prayer, let your prayer be this. Jesus, I get off my throne and I ask you to sit on it. Become Lord of my life. 
God, I thank you for the victories that we've shared today. I thank you for the testimonies that we've been able to um, uh, let other people know about. But now I ask for faith to rise in the name of Jesus. I ask for the labels that we always had on you, God. I ask for it to become bigger and bigger. And Lord, I understand that we're always going to put a label that is too small on us, on you. But our finite minds can't comprehend an eternal God. But on this day, we expand our understanding of who we are. And we choose to label you more correctly. And I once again pray against the wrong labels of your life that you feel like your reputation is more important than crying out. That's arrogance and pride. But I pray our label begins reflecting the label of your son. This is who we follow, his faith. So Jesus, thank you for moving here today. In your name we pray. Amen. It's f- interesting. If you, if you go in the app, there's actually a few more quotes and lines that I didn't get to. Um, it just felt like the right moment to just start talking to God. So let's remember that our word is for hallelujah. So if you're a guest here with us today, we so appreciate you being here. Please stop by our connecting center. We'd love to be able to connect with you. Also, if you're here and you're just ready for your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus, our NAV groups are up and running. We have a baptism coming up. Our growth track, if you want to be a partner here as a church, actually the growth track is kicking off today and you can join today. And you're like, well, I'm getting hungry. Don't worry, they have food. Just stop by our next step booth and we'd love to help you take your next step at Jesus Christ. And church, final testimony I want to give you, which was very, very strange. So this past week I was up in, um, well, part of it is strange, not all of it. Um, I had the opportunity to go up to Portland just for a couple days. And it was a spiritual, what I'm now growing to understand, a spiritual father in my life. And paid for the hotel, paid for food, just, it was, son, need you to come up here to let us minister to you. And it was less than 50 of us. And it was handpicked. And uh, Jesus did just some beautiful things this week. One of the things that he said, it was a prophetic word. And if you don't know what that means, I'd love to have a conversation. It's not, woo, you know, it's not weird. It's God wanting to say something to make sure we're heading in the right direction. God started just sharing some beautiful, beautiful things about the church and where we're going really uh, put a backbone, a steel, a confidence for me to know. And uh, one of the things he said was, hey, they're coming. And there's people from the past that have, there's been a lot of wounds and pains and they've walked away. God's going to start restoring relationships. So church, we lay down our pride and we celebrate relationships more than we do our reputation. Amen. Also said, there's going to be people start coming. They haven't been getting fed by, by churches, by faith, by God. They just haven't been able to find life, and they're just going to come. And I would say, you know, I've, I've heard things like this before. But here's why I really believe this one. The very first flight, I have to go to Colorado. It's, it's so early in the morning, my wife had me drive and park. Because she doesn't love me enough to get up and drive me. So... 
Yeah, she's good with that. No, you can ask her. Our love starts around 4 a.m. Anytime before that, like, good luck. Don't wake me. I get onto the airplane, and I brought my favorite headphones that tell everybody, don't talk to me. These headphones are broken. They don't work at the gym. They don't. They don't. They don't work. They, there's a sign on it that says, open to chat. Like, it guaranteed. And the stewardess, I'm on the back, and there's very few people, so I go to the back of the plane so you can have the three seats, get comfortable, right? I sit down, put my headphones, logging on, going to watch some TV, and she goes, hey, quick question. Are you a pastor? <laughs> this is that moment. Do I lie and let the headphones do their job, or do I do the Christian thing? So I lied, and no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, said, I said, I'm sure I am. She goes, I knew it. She goes, I watch you all the time online. And I go, where are you from? Denver, Colorado. And I go, no, you don't watch me. I mean, it, it, they, she just doesn't. The problem is she knew too much. Church, I don't know what's happening but I do believe that God has called us to have a bigger influence than we currently have, which changes the label that I think about myself. But we need to make sure to change the label about who God is. Because here's the thing. The last two trips, I've been invited, people begging for me to come preach at their church. And just so you know, I avoid traveling because I love being here. Like, I, do, I just want to be here every Sunday. Unless it's vacation, then I don't want to be here. But other than that, like, but over the next four months, I could probably be gone ten times. But I don't want to be. But the problem is, why is it happening now? Why is someone seeing me? Why is God giving us these prophetic words? It's because I think he's changing our label about who he is. And so we serve a big, big God. And so, God, whatever you want to do in our lives, whatever you want to do at NAV Church, whatever you want to do in our small groups, interest groups, gen group, NAV groups, whatever you, in our serve groups, whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit, you're welcome to do. And we choose that when someone needs to yell, Jesus, Son of God, we choose this day, God, they don't have to yell it. All they have to do is whisper it because we're listening. We're listening for the broken. We're listening for those on the wayside. Amen. Church, go in peace today. God bless. Thanks again for joining us this week on the Navigation Church Podcast. We hope this message strengthened and encouraged you in the next step of your journey. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating and review. And if you want more information about Navigation Church or wish to connect with us in more ways, visit navchurch.org, download the NAV app in your app or Google Play Store, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and even like the Navigation Church page on Facebook. And again, make sure and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a single message. For now... No Navigation Church is always here to help you discover and take your next step in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ.